You're listening to the IHOP KC Family Connect podcast. In these 30-minute family conversations, fueled by the Word of God, the beauty of Jesus, and His glorious return, we will explore the narratives the Lord is weaving in the story of the global body of Christ as we digest what the Lord is saying to the church today. Hello and welcome. My name is David Slyker, and this is the new IHOP KC podcast. And today, we're continuing our conversation on Luke 4.18 at last, the mystery and the meaning of that phrase. We ended our last episode at the, at the climactic moment of a three-year journey of, of God activity. The Lord is orchestrating something, not just here, but, but we're catching that He's doing similar things in ministries and spiritual families all over the earth. There's just all kinds of things happening and unfolding right now. And the thing that the Lord really got our attention on is this phrase. The, the prophetic man, Chris Reed, Mike, introduces him to our leadership team. He's, um, we know from, from Mike and from Rick Joyner that he has a significant anointing on his life, a prophetic anointing. And he starts demonstrating it. He gives these words of knowledge about me, about you, about you. Just one, two, three. He takes yeah. a good good three to five minutes on each of us telling details that no one knows. They're not secrets. It's just that we never talk about it. And so here he is. He didn't get it, you know, from the Internet. I checked, actually, because I am that <laughs> kind of person. He didn't get it from the Internet. I went to all of our Facebook pages I went to our social media. I did homework on us. And you, you can't find what he said on those pages. You can't find addresses, kids' names. We're pretty careful about that in you know, varying degrees. And so he says all of that and spends his entire weekend with us doing that kind of thing for dozens and dozens of people. And it's the, it's the way in which the Lord establishes the witness of the very first thing he says to us after a 40-day fast and repentance and turning to the Lord, we're ready for anything. You know, we're, we're thinking of a prophetic man as someone's going to call out our stuff <laughs> that we've been talking to the Lord about for 40 days. And instead, his very first thing, he says, he says to us, he goes, hey, before we start, the Lord gave me a riddle that I haven't understood back in November of last year. And I've just been confused. It was actually it. two years before, 2019. No way. Yeah, November 2019, he gave the riddle because it had been 18 months up until the November, or the April 9th when he gave the word to us. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so, so he gives the riddle November of 2019. Right. Wow. And he shares it with us. He said that the Lord said to me, out of the blue, when the prince has passed, it will be 418 at last. Does that mean anything to you? And, of course, it had significant meaning for us. And Well, the prince that morning had passed away from the royal family. And then the 418 is obviously very significant to our spiritual family. But I would say for the three of us, when we think of the top 20 promises from the Lord that he confirmed with signs and wonders and he confirmed promises and purposes to say it like that promises and purposes that a, a man can't fake you can't just 
say, yay, I am doing a new thing, and boom, we're going to give our lives to believe that the future is going to be a certain way from the Lord's perspective. So from my perspective, Luke 4.18 wouldn't necessarily be for the three of us who have been in leadership for a long time, ownership, we, we, we've been tracking pretty closely. I don't know that we would say, yeah, that's, that would be one of the top three. Right. We've heard like the stories so many times, but that doesn't necessarily come to mind as the top one we're looking for. But it seems like from the Lord's perspective, it's very dear to his heart. Yes. And now we are really paying attention. So for, for folks that have been around a while, I just talked with a pastor this afternoon who was very connected to John Wimber and the Vineyard Movement. And he goes, no, I know exactly. When you say Luke 4.18, I know exactly what you're talking about. But for most uh, you know, newer, younger believers, and I'm going to count myself in a newer, younger believer category, um, though I'm not as new and young as, say, Isaac, but uh, for newer and younger believers, Luke 4.18, you say it and you go, yeah, it's a powerful promise. But, and even, even the way that we, because we started talking about it, like what does this passage mean? So we did what we always do. We start kind of breaking down the passage. You know, like what? What right. does this passage actually mean? And, and actually, there's a, what we discovered is that there's a story connected to that phrase, Luke 4.18, that passage. There's a story that goes back a hundred years. And that's the story, really, the Lord's bringing us into. And to frame out this time right now, this time together, it's the story that the Lord's bringing our kids into. And he's bring, I'm thinking of Nani, our audio producer, uh, she's she's going to be having kids in the days to come, and the Lord shouts Luke four eighteen because it's what He always had in mind for her kids. Yeah, I want to go back just to some of the surprise, the mystery that you were talking about, uh, even in our previous episode. You know, we're in this forty day fast, Luke th- or not Luke three, Revelation three. It's grueling. I mean, I, we get to the end of that thing, we're physically worn out because the fast is hard and long. We're kind of emotionally, at least I am, kind of drained. It's like, how long can I just keep repenting of my sins and how distant I am from Jesus? And we get to the very end, and in this sovereign turn of events, Chris Reed picks April 9th. That's the day he's going to come. He comes, shows up. It happens to be the last day of our fast. He gets with us that morning. The prince passes away from the royal family. He comes in, and he's not saying it to this degree, but this is how I'm interpreting it. This is the word of the Lord for you family that's been pursuing me the last 40 days, yay, 40 years, but the last 40 days in particular, Luke 4.18 at last, and the promise of God, the promise of heaven to release the anointing upon his people, upon his church. It was so surprising. It was like completely off guard. It's like the kid that's been walking through the disciplinary process. The parent comes to them to kind of say their final pronouncement. It's like, we're going to get ice cream. I mean, it was that shocking and jarring to me in terms of what the Lord was emphasizing. If Chris had come and said, Hey guys, you know, nice try. Or if he had said whatever, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, you're right, Lord. You know, but he just, he comes with such power and graciousness and generosity to us. He goes, Luke 4, 18 at last, I want to release my anointing upon the body of Christ and the earth. I w- it was so shocking and encouraging and joyful. Right. And I want to tie it into when he started prophesying about our families, our kids, specific details that no one would know. 
it was no accident that our hearts began to open because we actually love each other. Mm-hmm. We actually know one another's children. And when he's saying their names and their destinies, all of a sudden our hearts are tender in yeah, a new and way. Open. Oh, yeah. Not just the woe is me, I'm, I'm naked and, and in need and poor, but Jesus, you know our kids. Mm-hmm. My friends are looking at my kids right now and having zeal for their destinies. And so we felt a, a very, very different joyful kind yes. of tenderness. It was amazing. Yeah. It's it's really just striking me right now as you're saying that. So you're saying when when Chris Reed was with us and he's releasing the Luke 4:18 word that it's it's Luke 4:18 last, which we're going to talk about in a moment what that phrase even means. But it's striking me there's a bigger point than what it means, which is the Lord is thinking about our kids and our grandkids. That's right. And so you just said, you know, he prophesies, he begins with words of knowledge about our kids and it just goes right to the deepest place of our heart. It just opens us up mm-hmm. and gets us crying immediately. We're in tears. Right. And, you know, as, as uh, our beloved Mike Bickle has been saying, as we've been discussing as a family, Luke 418, he goes, he's just been saying it over and over again. I am telling a story that is about your kids and your grandkids. That is what I am talking about right now. So I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna shamelessly name drop. So I'm talking to Francis Chan and just telling him a little bit of the story of what's been going on. And he says the Lord has been speaking to me. I'm not gonna tell his story. That's for him to tell. But he says the, you know the Lord's been speaking to me about my life, my my calling, my mission in this hour. And he goes, it's, it's about my kids. And I'm yeah. I'm thinking to myself, this is. I'm getting it, Lord. I'm a little slow. I'm a little dull, but I'm getting it. You are shifting all of us into spiritual father, spiritual mother mode, that you are really what Bob Jones said to Mike Bickle in the spring of 1983. The Lord said that you're a youth pastor, and Mike says, you know, 27 years old, senior pastor of what would become Metro Christian Fellowship. Mike Bickle says, I'm a senior pastor. And Bob goes, I appreciate that, but the Lord says you're a youth pastor. And there's a youth movement. Isn't it, isn't it just like the Lord as the promises are unfolding about a youth movement that's going to touch the ends of the earth, a youth missions movement that uh, is going to touch the ends of the earth? Isn't it just like the Lord to pierce the hearts of the fathers and the mothers? Then again, I'm going to pick on Nani again, our audio producer, because, you know, she's going to she's she's going to be a mom in this season of time. And she would likely be, in our spiritual family, one of the least likely to think of herself in the spiritual mother category. You know, she would think, well, that's Tracy Slyker, that's Dana Candler, that's Morgan Bennett, that's Diane Bickle. Clearly, they're spiritual mothers in the house. And it's like the Lord is just shouting with this 418 word to our family, more than what I'm going to do, I want to remind you who you are and what this is about. I need you to not just interpret the passage. I need you to not just pursue the promise. Mm-hmm. I need you to see yourselves as fathers and mothers, and this is about your kids, yeah. not just your natural kids. This is about spiritual children that are coming, that I'm going to raise up. I'm raising you up, and I'm just thinking of all of you that are listening. This, th- if you're wondering, how, what, I loved the last episode. I loved the story. What does that have to do with me? Here it is. The Lord is telling you through the story, you are a spiritual father. You are a spiritual mother. I have need of thee in this hour. I'm about to do something with young people. I'm about to get 
a lot of young people unsaved. I'm going to sweep lots of them into the kingdom in a very brief amount of time, and we need all of you. Some of you are out there. I've shifted from story mode to calling you to something mode. But some of you out there, you are waiting for your own destiny to unfold, and you're waiting for your own what you thought life was going to be to to come to pass. And uh, and I, I I can just hear the Lord saying to you, it is not about you in the way that you thought. It is about your bigger calling as a spiritual father, spiritual mother. It's about getting your hands on the next generation. Now, because I've got thousands more beyond, behind that that I'm going to bring bring forth all over the world, millions around the world, millions and millions, but thousands. I'd like you to have one, two, three that you're investing in because I'm going to add zeros to that number. The need is that great, and I need you ready. And so I'm just, I'm so stirred by that point as you're saying that, that, uh, that the Luke 4.18 at last isn't just about what the Lord's about to do, and just to say it, in worship and compassion, prophetic and intercession. The, the banner themes of the vineyard movement in the 80s and, and, of course, the prayer movement from the Lord's perspective. These four banner themes that matter to God, that all four are being expressed by the body of Christ, the Lord's going, I want to bring your children and your grandchildren into a context of intimate worship that's singing to God love songs from the heart, compassion-based healing and power evangelism that's about a moved heart, not just man-centered word of faith. That's about the prophetic and, and speaking the heart of God to a generation and intercession, contending for the will of God for a generation. I want to bring those four things together, and I want to hand those four things to your kids. I want to hand those four things to your children's children and the children that I'm going to raise up in the days to come. I just, I, it strikes me, as soon as you said that, I went, oh my goodness, you've been talking about our kids this whole time. Yeah, I, th- I think the Lord's trying to speak to us and say, have I not marked you with these things? And we'll tell the story, we'll tell the hundred year story, really. But he's saying, I've been doing things a long time. And I think that we would all agree, since this 418 word, it's like, we've been in this story all along. But the story is about our kids. It's like Mike keeps saying, this isn't, a, this isn't my story. I'm just, I'm a keeper of the story. I tell the stories. This is our story, and this is about our children. What are you thinking? I'm thinking about Malachi chapter 4, and I'm thinking about the promise of the Lord. I'm thinking about the commissioning of John the Baptist, that he would turn the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and this whole forerunner movement that the Lord is raising up in the earth across the body of Christ to call people to contend for the anointing to flow through others. At the end of the day, it's about others. We, we say kids or spiritual children, but it's about me contending for you as much as for myself. And the Lord releasing that expression of servanthood and love in the body of Christ for one another in this deep way. He goes, that's how my kingdom goes forward. It goes forward by you believing and contending for the destiny of one another. I don't want you to just go do it by yourself and be the one man trick pony show. He goes, I want you, I want a family. I'm a father that wants a family and I want the family fighting for one another and loving for loving one another. And it's provoking and it's sweet and it's encouraging and it's rattling and unnerving 
because that's just not the way we are maybe prone in the natural to lead things. You know, we started this conversation in this story just referencing Revelation 3, the Laodicean church, and the key phrase, I, I am rich, I have need of nothing, I have no need of you. And if there's, if there's a moment that we're in right now as a society, it's the casting off. It's the, it's the children casting off in frustration and, and, uh, and bitterness the mistakes, the brokenness of their parents, and going, we don't want anything to do with the world you've built. There's a, you know, we've talked about a little bit of a betrayal culture, but it's happening right now within the home. Children are saying to their parents, I don't need you. And actually the world you've built, I don't want it. And whatever you have to offer, I reject it. And the, the you know, the baby boomers feeling rejected, feeling cast off are going, well, we don't need you. you you're, you're, you're foolish. You're fools. You don't know what you're talking about. We don't need you. In fact, that you're so foolish, we don't want to hand you this world anyways. And so there is a genuine rejection across generations, one to another in society. And yet the Lord's answer is Malachi 4.6. The Lord's answer is Joel 2, that young men and young women would prophesy and old men and old women would dream dreams. And what we know, the dreamers get everybody's attention when the Lord speaks through dreams. It's like however awesome you feel about your own strength and your own giftedness and your own ability to make it happen, the moment an old guy says, hey, the Lord gave me a dream about you, it's like you drop everything and go, tell me. <laughs> yeah. There's something about what the Lord's about to do that needs the young people yes. in position to prophesy it and needs the old people in position to dream it. And, and then the two generations need one another. And that's one of the things that the Lord, I believe, is going to be doing in a way we wouldn't think about Luke 4.18 and that, that promise unfolding. But it's two generations in a context of rejection and bitterness and casting off one another. The Lord's raising up a church with young people saying, no, we need the old guys. We need the moms. We need you. We can't do this without you. Right. The very things we talked about related to 2018, the convergence, yes. the thousand Chinese leaders seeing one another, it, it, it just it's striking me. The Lord's not just going to do that amongst us and others. The Lord's going to do that. Our kids are going to have eyes to see us. I need you. Yeah. I can't do this without you. But then the Lord's going to flip it, and we're going to have eyes to see our kids. And we're going to go, no, we need you. We can't do this without you. We don't want to go forward without you. And so the Lord goes, I've got this promise. I want to hand the next generation worship, compassion, prophetic, and intercession. I want to hand them a church that is about those four things. But I need that church that I need the fathers and the mothers to hand it to the next generation. And I need the sons and daughters to genuinely be in place to receive it, which means honor and celebration and that family spirit we've talked about. I I know this is bizarre, but it, it all came together in that way, in a way I hadn't thought of when you said that. It just hit me. I went, oh, wait. It is the same conversation from 2018 to now. We're just so... We always, I mean, we tend to just focus on our generation. <laughs> right. The 20-year-old sees themselves doing ministry to 20-year-olds. The 40-year-old sees themselves doing ministry to 40-year-olds. And the 60-year-old, the same. And so the Lord breaks it up just like the gospel breaks up classism 
and breaks up the racial divides and breaks up the separation between men and women in that day, the Lord goes, this thing's multi-generational. Do you guys get that yet? And I'm kind of like, I think I get it kind of. And yet it's still unfolding in a profound way for us. It's beautiful. Well, to tell the story quickly, to kind of go from where we left off to where we are, you know, 418 at last, we're going, what does that mean? We discover that is a hundred year story that in 1920, the Lord speaks to a woman named Anna Cain, who has this powerful prophetic ministry, prophesies a son, prophesies that she's going to prophesy to that son and give her, she, the Lord's going to give her one of the most significant prophetic words. That's how she understands it. For the body of Christ, she's going to give that to Paul on her deathbed. And so she has a number of miscarriages. Can you imagine that? You get a word about a son that's going to prophesy to the nations, and you have about three miscarriages. But then, you know, the, the late 1920s, Paul is born, and it's 65 years later. It's, it's 1990. And it's dramatic, too, because she has four terminal diseases. She's on her deathbed. She's pregnant with Paul. The Lord comes to her without telling the long story, heals her supernaturally. She gives birth to Paul, names him Paul like he was supposed to be Paul in the Bible. And he launches into this profound ministry of prophecy, healing, deliverance in the 1950s. I mean, he's one of the most well-known healing evangelists traveling with guys like William Branham, A.A. Allen, and many, many others during that era. I mean, it's significant. And he intersects into our story with Mike. He does. And, and so he, there's a word that's coming forth. And the, the 80s now, the 1980s, the Lord connects Paul to Mike. The Lord connects Paul and Mike to John Wimber in the vineyard. And that's too long a story to tell. It's, again, it's a good story. But it's, it, I mean, the Lord speaks to Bob Jones in 1984 and says to Mike, the Lord's going to connect you to a ministry 35 miles south of Los Angeles. It's a ministry whose banner themes are worship and compassion. The Lord says of the prayer movement, prophetic and intercession, and I'm going to marry the two. I'm gonna, the Lord says, I'm going to bring the, the, the two together so that those four themes will come to be, together in the body of Christ. It's going to happen. That's 1984. 88, Bob Jones says again, hey, the Lord spoke to me again about that ministry. John Wimber. It's he, the vineyard. It's the vineyard. He's going to call you on this date. He does. Uh, Mike ends up traveling with John for a season. And, uh, and with Paul, together with Paul Kane, the whole vineyard gets swept up into this Luke 4.18 story. And then later, Anna Kane, 105 years old, she's about to go to be with the Lord, they're praying for this 105-year-old woman and the word that she's going to bring forth. And the short version is on uh, you know, April 18th, 1990, so 4.18, at 4.18 in the afternoon, Anna Kane goes to be with the Lord. And with her last breath, uh, on 4.18, at 4.18 in the afternoon, she pulls Paul close and gives him Luke 4.18 as the word of what the Lord's going to do, the promise of the Lord for the body of Christ. So 418 on 418 on 418. I mean, it's just, it's stunning. And this is in 1990. So then 
the story, the part of the story that is for others to tell. I like this when, when the vineyard guys tell their own story, is that where you think the four are coming together, Luke 4, 18, and, and, and the way in which the vineyard movement owned it, like worship and compassion, the Lord says, I'm also bringing prophetic intercession, bringing the four together, but then nothing happens in terms of those four banner themes unfolding. It yeah, because, I mean, they're so hard to do in ministry. I mean, to build to build a ministry, a local church, or even a national, international ministry, and stand for those four things, all four of them together, because of the hits that you're taking, because of the challenges that it creates. I mean, what the prophetic ministry does in terms of the local church and expressing it and pastoring it, it is just, it is so complex. But the Lord goes, I want these four together. I want them to stay together. And I want to see more and more of the body of Christ operating in these four, what we call banner themes. They're not the only banner themes, but they're just for the Lord specifically highlighted prophetically. Yeah, and he wants more than just that we would, you know, give our, we believe in those things. He actually wants us to drink of yeah, them. express be- them. Become them, impart them, give them to our children, have our children grow up carrying them and, you know, where they care care deeply about them. And so it's it's deeper than just kind of, hey, you bring that and I'll bring this and we'll come together and boom, you know, the Lord will do something big. It's, no, 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 I want you to carry these yeah, things. Yeah, it looks great on a banner on the wall or a mission statement. It looks great hearing about it, you know, listeners that are hearing a prophetic intercession, worship, compassion, that sounds amazing. Doing it for years in a local church context or ministry context is incredibly challenging and incredibly trying. And what is the it? I want to define it. It's... It's worship, which the way that John Wimber meant that when he when he talked about worship and compassion, worship meant, in contrast to the '80s worship culture, which was very victorious and, you know, which the, is good. Yeah, blow the trumpet in Zion. We're gonna do this thing. I mean, it was very raw. It was awesome. It was you know there was a post Jesus movement in the 70s, there's this authority on the church, word of faith, we're going to do it, we're going to take ground. Right. By God, we're, we're going in, the land is ours. And so that, that triumphalism permeates the worship culture. And what the Lord emphasizes to John Wimber was a worship culture that's permeated, that's, that's saturated with love songs about God sung to God for long hours. I mean, that's just, so wild. We don't get how remarkable and groundbreaking that was in the 80s. Right. Because mm-hmm. many, many churches do it now, even those that aren't connected to the vineyard. And they would have, you know, time, long extended times of ministry where it's like, come to the front and stand before the Lord, worship Jesus in these intimate love songs. It wasn't loud. It wasn't, you know, crazy. It was stand before the Lord, receive his love, tell him you love him. And this ministry model was so unique and dynamic during that time. But even still, you could say in the worship world, love songs about God, love songs about Jesus. Those are still pretty rare. Jesus are, are still pretty rare. I know. And so, so for the Lord to say, no, at last, it's not going to be rare. Yeah. That's already we're going, oh, oh, I want that. Yeah. And then the compassion one, we don't realize that was groundbreaking in its day. It still is. 
Because compassion means healing and the ministry of healing, typically. It's more than that, but that's the primary way in which we understand it and that it was expressed through Wimber and the Vineyard Movement. Well, and he got it, from, you know, again, from the Lord, but Matthew chapter 9, Jesus was moved with compassion. Yeah. And because he was moved by his Father, I only do what I see the Father doing. So if I'm going to move in healing, there's, there's lots of people that need healing. When am I going to heal? And the premise being, I'm going to heal when my heart is moved by my Father for the people that need it. Right. I'll respond to His moved heart related to their need. That is so different than 1980s word of faith. By God, name it, claim it. You, you got a need. You just you need more faith. Why aren't you healed yet? You know, it's that kind of Pentecostal. By God, we're going to do this. And I remember it well. That's when I first got saved. And so I, I got saved into a Pentecostal word of faith, faith healing. I understand that world really well. And so to hear this, this really revolutionary alternative, because I, I love, I still love, you know, the, the Tulsa, Oklahoma faith that heals message. I, I really do. I, I love it and I honor it. Kenneth Hagin, I love him. And so, but to, but to say, but there's also an anointing from the Holy Spirit not just to see power move through your life to impact someone else, but to feel God's heart related to that power. Yeah, to do ministry from compassion. Right. And right. friendship. I mean, both of those things speak of intimacy. The worship is about, I love you, Jesus. And the healing is about, I'm carrying your heart, Jesus, in friendship. I have compassion because you have compassion, and I'm reaching out of that heart for this person. Yeah, I love you, Jesus, and you love them. Right. To do healing from, because I love you, you've touched me with love for them, that's just, that is just so revolutionary in terms of healing. We don't, think, we don't associate, you love them with power. Right. We disassociate power to be kind of a, Argh! and we got to be loud and sweaty and intense. And the Lord goes, no, you got to be tender and you got to be connected and you got to feel what I'm feeling. And I'm going to move through that tenderness to touch somebody else's life. That's like, whoa. And then, of course, the, the two we know best, we know prophetic and intercession-ish. I mean, we know it. We don't really do it all that There's much. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. And so the prophetic, well, that's a whole other podcast for another day. But the prophetic... The, the outbreak of the prophetic, the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus filling the earth, but from that place of Holy Spirit unction and power, intercession, night and day, contending for breakthrough. We know it well, but, uh, but the Lord is saying, at last. And so I, I want to end, just traditional, Dana, Pray for us. This family story that we're a part of that is about our kids and our grandkids. And even if they don't have kids, it's it's not about natural children. It's about making your natural kids or young people that you care about your spiritual children and discipling them into these things. I love what you said because we we own these things. We, we have embodied these things and embraced them for real. And so I, I want to invite you to pray for the fathers and the mothers, whatever you want, but the fathers and the mothers and this story that we'd get swept into it at another level. Yes. So, Lord, we say yes to your leadership. Lord, you have been leading a, a story for many, many years. And Lord, right now I ask for a marking. I ask that you would mark mothers and fathers with these, even these specific four things 
that, that we would carry these four things, the, the intercession, the worship, the prophetic, Lord, the, the caring as you care for those, as you reach and lay your hand on the sick, Lord, we want to carry your heart, the worship and the compassion, the intercession, the prophetic, Lord, put it in our hearts, but take it deep. I ask for the marking of the mothers and fathers. I ask that you would have your way with us. Lord, we say, yes, your leadership is good. Lord, we want you to take yes. us into these things, all that's in your heart. Lord, we say, do not relent. Do not relent. Have your way in our hearts with these things. Mark our children. Let them grow up into these things, burning with them. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Isaac, Dana, we so appreciate you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IHOPKC Family Connect podcast. Consider subscribing if you haven't, and follow us on social media for other content from IHOPKC.